We are talking about bring it in. You know, I, I, I get the picture in my mind of playing football at Hazel Green and, and being all over the place. All the different skill position players, all the linemen, all the special teams are all over the place. And the coach blows the whistle, right? And at some point, he says, bring it in. And every, all the team gets together, we rally together. And so this series is, is going to be all about unity. And listen, in the divided world that we live in, if the church can't be united, what hope do we have for any other entity to be, to, to be united? Right? And so, and so we're going to be talking about that. I, I'm reminded of all of the movies. I love how things are starting to circle back. Uh, as a parent, I love, uh, I'll never forget, before Cooper was born, uh, I remembered going into a Carter's, which you teenagers don't know what that is. That's a kid's store. It's a, a, like for moms and, you know, where they shop for all the cute co- clothes for their kids, right? It's the only way, place you can buy, is it Stride Ride? Is that what it's called? Yeah, anyway, those, those, that's a cute, cute little clothes store. I remember going in there and seeing Ninja Turtles. Like seeing a t-shirt that had Cowabunga on it, and I was stoked. To that time, I had not seen it in like 15, 20 years, right? And so, but I got to experience Ninja Turtles with my kids. I loved Ninja Turtles as a kid. I got to experience it as a kid with my kids. Uh, I got to experience all the superheroes with my kids. I thought it was awesome. One of the things that I'm experiencing right now is Disney+. Plus which allows me to relive all of the old sports movies that I watched growing up with my kids as well. Uh, this week, we've watched The Mighty Ducks. Awesome. Awesome movie. forgot how good that movie was. Mighty Ducks, Miracle on Ice, the Miracle or Miracle on Ice, whatever, the, when the U.S. beats the Soviet Union. Awesome. Um, we're going to watch Remember the Titans, Cool Runnings. We saw Cool Runnings two nights ago. No, Jamaica, it's hard to believe. Yeah, so we, it's awesome, right? So I'm, we're having a ball, but I'm reliving all of these old sports movies. Here's the theme in every good sports movie that came as I was growing up. It's a team of misfits going 100 million different directions. They've somehow pieced together a team, and one purpose unites them. One purpose, they, they want to win or, or whatever the case may be there for different reasons, but the purpose remains the same and they unite together for a single purpose and man, there is something magical, there's something powerful uh, about that and so we love, I love doing that, love watching through with our kids and so that's the, the basis for this series. Today, we're going to look at the reason. Every team that's ever been assembled has a reason for existence, right? We have a reason. Uh, listen what Philippians 1, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Philippians 1. We'll be in the book of Philippians all these next four weeks. Uh, but look at Paul. This is kind of, there was a theme verse for this series. It's Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Listen what it says. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. What's he talking about? I desire to see you as a team, side by side, fighting together, working toward the faith of the gospel. Unity only comes to a team when it shares a reason. Why do all these stories start out the same way with everybody? Because everybody's got different reasons for why they're there, 
right? Some want to impress a girl. Some have, you know, want to have to do it because they, they get some kind of special credit. Uh, you know, all, the, all these different reasons exist. Some are made to be there by their parents, right? All these different reasons. But when the reasons unify, that's when we see unity beginning to happen. If you've heard me say before, if the why is big enough, if the why you are doing what you're doing is big enough, then you will answer, you will be able to answer any how, and you will overcome any what. There are some hows and there are some whats about things that you will do in life that will absolutely perplex you. But if your why is big enough, you will see yourself overcoming all of those questions. Why? Because it's important to you. This is the reason why you're here. And so every team, every unified body has a reason. When Paul is writing in, the, in, in Philippians, we need to understand that this isn't happening in a vacuum. The book of Philippians is written as a prison epistle. Paul was in prison. In fact, we're going to find out that he was having opponents, people that were discounting his apostleship. He had people that were, um, that were coming against him in other ways. But he was in prison awaiting a trial where he could be killed. They, the, the, the call could be that he would be executed. And so he's going through some pretty significant issues. He's having to overcome some pretty significant questions, but he's remembering why he's doing what he's doing. Paul has a reason. And number one, we see the reason determines the goal. The reason determines the goal. Here's the question that we have to ask for our lives, that we have to ask in any sports team. What does the win look like. Now, I've coached before, all right? Not I don't have some massive track record, but there are sometimes that a win is getting enough kids there to play, right? If I can just get warm bodies to show up, that is a win for us. I have had teams that that is the win, right? They lose a few games like I'm just I'm just happy you're here, kids. Like we're just happy to have you. Sometimes a win looks like improvement over the course of the year, right? And sometimes win looks like what ultimately what we want to win it all. Like as any competitive sport, I think about any college coach that's ever hired. It doesn't matter if they're, you know, hired on as the football coach for ITT Tech. They're going to give a speech that says, "We're going to compete for championships." And if they didn't, you don't want them, right? Because everybody has a reason, and the reason determines the goal. Let's listen to Paul's goal here in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that, but that with full co- courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body. Christ will will be honored in my body. Underline that, circle that, whatever you do to mark stuff in your Bible, make a mental note. Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Listen, his goal, as as he's looking at literally could be the end of his life, Paul is looking at his life and saying, listen, I don't know if I'm going to be killed for my faith or I don't know if I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing now and writing to you. I don't know what my life after this looks like. But regardless of the circumstances, the goal of my life is for Christ to be honored in everything that I do. 
This is the unifying theme for Paul's life. And it got him through a ton of persecution. It got him through a ton of heartache and personal pain. But to live is Christ and to die is gain. I love what Warren Wiersbe said. Warren Wiersbe said, this is the great test of all of our lives. Because we, we, could ask, we could say the same statement about us. To live is blank. What is that for you? What is that thing that makes you tick? What is that thing that pulls your whole life together? To live is what? And then what does it look like when you die? To live is money. To make a lot of it and to be successful. To die is to lose it all. It's to not take it with you. There's no U-Haul behind the hearse. To live is fame and acclaim of man. To die is to be forgotten. But to live is Christ. If we live for this, if, we, if that is the goal of our life, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of how good or bad things are turning out for us, if we live is Christ, Paul says, to die is gain. Death is the finish line. And what happens after the finish? We get our reward. Right? And so to live is Christ and to die is gain. This is an amazing perspective of life. So what is it for you? Because if it's not Christ, the death, when you die, the death, the perspective of death has profound ramifications for those things that we live for. The reason for living, in your notes, the reason for living is Christ. He is the reason that we live. He is the goal of our life, to live our life in obedience to Him. This is the goal. And if the reason determines the goal, the goal must be to honor Christ in all that we do. But this isn't the only place that Paul talks about this. He talks about it in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And we know the passage of Scripture well. Galatians 2, 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said there is no, there is no opportunity or provision for me to live any other way than for Christ. Why? Because I've crucified my flesh. I have nailed it to the cross. I haven't made provisions for it. I haven't given myself a way to circle back to sin. Which we could, we could stop and preach a whole sermon on that right there. Right? Why did David go to the giant and cut off his head? Because he knew if he didn't, the giant would get up off the mat again. And so many of us experience momentary victory over over tremendous obstacles in our life. And we never take the steps necessary to see that that thing is completely removed and completely taken away. We never safeguard ourselves from it. So what happens? The giant gets up again. And so he says, the the reason for living is Christ. Why? Because I'm crucified to my other, the other man I used to be. I'm crucified to Saul to the extent that he changed his name. 
He changed his whole name in the way that he identifies himself. So the reason determines the goal. Number two, the reason drives the game plan. The best coaches in the world are the coaches that can develop the most effective game plan. If you've got a good team, you can have a lot of talent, and you can have very poor poor strategy, and you can squander incredible talent. A game plan is key as what and so the reason drives the game plan. What is, what is that reason? What is the reason? And so we're getting to that, but the reason drives the game plan. Listen to Philippians chapter one, verse twenty two. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. What's Paul saying? If I live, if they don't kill me, it means fruitful labor. It means I am working tirelessly. For you, but listen what it says. Yet, yet which I shall, I shall, I shall choose. I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. the The terminology of depart there is the idea of a ship setting sail. I am departing. Is the ship being destroyed? Nope. It's just changing locations. Uh, it's the idea of a military man who would make a tent. Right? And then they would up their tent and they would move to another location. Right? They're not dying. They're not, they're not being destroyed. They're just changing neighborhoods. Right? And he says, it's my desire to depart. It's my desire to be with Christ. Why? Because he's not just paying lip service to the fact that to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, we live sometimes when we experience a loss of loved ones. Man, I'd do anything to have them back. Can I assure you that is a one-way street? If they have a relationship with Christ, the last place a a dead loved one wants to be is outside of the presence of Jesus. It's the last place. And so as I would think about my cousin who passed away in a car accident tragically at the age of 16, and as I looked at that funeral and started preparing and had to, to, to preach in that funeral... All I could think about is, man, what a tragedy, what a tragedy. But in the eyes of God, it was far more tragic that there were people on their way to hell that would be at that funeral. To live is Christ and to die is gain. To die is to get the reward. Quit wishing our loved ones. I understand what we're saying and I understand that they're important to us. And understand, But understand, that's a one-way street. They don't want to come back. They've experienced their reward. But reason drives the game plan. Paul said, if I'm living, I'm living for you. But if I die, to die is Christ. That's what it says in verse 24. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. I want to be with Jesus. Paul said that. I want to be with Jesus. But to live means that I get to continue to make an immediate impact in your life. Do you know why Paul had a game plan that could swivel like that? You know, I can, whether I live or I die. If they shut this down, I'll go to this play. If they shut that play down, we'll go to this play, right? Why did he have those adjustments in place? Because the reason drove the game plan. Right? And his game plan, the, the game plan was to live for Christ in death. Or to live for others in life. Why? Because Paul was a leader in the church. Paul had influence 
in the church. He wasn't just a part of a church, he led in a church. Paul had influence in the church and he leveraged it for the church. Wasn't, he wasn't just a pastor in a high ivory castle that come, some would come and, and, and consult with. He had influence in his church. If you're invested in a church, then you're going to find opportunities to serve in it. You know what the job sometimes of, of a pastor becomes? Will and I are sitting in our office and we're thinking about things and, and what we how we need to do and how we need to move forward. And then somebody, one of us will say, hey, whatever happened to dot, dot, dot? Whatever happened to this person? I don't know. I hadn't seen her in a while. You know, and we, it becomes this game of, well, how about this guy? Well, how about this person? We're a year old, y'all. And we still have those conversations. You know, here, here's what I desire for the church that I serve. And I'm going to tell you, this, this far vastly surpasses me being paid by the church. Y'all, I did this when I wasn't paid. I desire to be the person that's so involved in the church that when I'm not there, my absence is felt. Why? Because the church isn't just something that can pour into you. It's something we pour back into. Paul wasn't just, he wasn't saying, well, listen, I want to be with Jesus, right? Because I don't have strings attached here. No, he's saying, if I live, I invest in you. I continue to lead you. I have a front row seat in making the bride of Christ as glorious as it can be. I've got a game plan. What is your level of investment in the church? The reason for leading. The reason for leading. Why do you don't have to lead? You don't have to be a greeter. You don't have to be a counselor to be a Christian. I hear all you don't have to come to church to be a Christian. I like what Brother Dusty used to say. You don't have to come to church to be a Christian. You probably should come to church to be a good one, though, right? And so, and so. You don't have to do these things to be a Christian. But why do we lead? It's not dictating our relationship with Christ. It's dictating our relationship with others. The reason for leading is His church. His bride. And it's bigger than you. You ain't the only bride of Christ. You ain't the only part of the body. If we were, we'd be pretty boring bodies. Right, But it's all of us together. So how can I invest as much as humanly possible and make my presence felt for the kingdom of God? I want to make a positive impact. I never want a pastor to have to say, whatever happened to so-and-so? Well, he quit coming three or four weeks back, and we, or three or four months back, and we, we hadn't missed it. Right? I never want that said about me. Why? Because leading is for his church. Living is for Christ. Leading is for his church. So what level of buy-in do you have? And we have places that you can serve. We have places that you can begin to help make this church body dynamic. Ways that you can serve and be salt and light outside these four walls. There are so many places for you if you will jump on board and be a part of what God is doing. Be unified. Bring it in. Right? Why? Number three, the reason is glory. The reason is glory. My favorite underdog story was one you don't know about. It's one that's not on the tabloid, not on any news column, although it should be. I was a part, 
of the senior cardinals in Hazel Green, Alabama when I was a kid growing up. It was rec league, Pop Warner, whatever, whatever, Pop Warner, whatever league. I don't remember what league. Pee Wee, I don't know. It was a football team, okay? We had a football team. I had just moved over from Spartman. I got rezoned, uh, and, and I was going to Hazel Green. In the first year, you know how rec ball works. Don't act like you don't. Somebody new comes in. I don't know how good this kid is. Let's put him on the other team and give him a tryout for a season, right? And then we, 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 get, to, we get our team together. Right? Get our kids that can play ball. Right? And then we have, you know, that, that's, that's how it's done. Right? And so my kid came in and nobody knew how he played football. And that was fine. And not to say that he was some, you know, uh, that I, I knew how I played football. And, and, and not to say that I was some athletic, amazing person. All right? Um, but they put me on the other team. Right? And, and there was a team that had, all, had the athletes, had the quick kids, had all the skill position players, man, had the bigger boys that they could block and all that stuff. And they put us on a team, and I'll never forget, with a first-time head coach, and said, uh, I remember him asking, how many of y'all played football before? Now, I'd played football for three or four years at this time. So I raised my hand, and 14 of, like, the 20 kids that were there had never played a down of football in their life. Now... We put together an offensive scheme. My dad helped coach. He brought my, my uncle in. Uh, all the Ostrinskis kind of joined in. It became a family team. Um, I think my sister probably cheered for us. I, I don't know. Uh, but we ended up going undefeated that year. And the last game of the season, we beat the IT team. We beat the team that was put together to win all of it. Right? And we beat them. And y'all, if there was ever to be a glory experienced in my little body, it was experienced on Monday morning. I walked through that school like I was the biggest man on campus. And we started, we, we trashed and We had our undefeated Cardinals shirts on. And they looked terrible. I think it was put together on somebody's, you know, pro presenter or something and slapped on a shirt. It was terrible. It was off, awful. Uh, but man, we were all about it. Why? Because every team exists for glory. Now, when I tell that story, you think, boy, that's cute. That's silly. Right? You know what? I wonder if our Heavenly Father has the same idea about some of the glory that we chase. Man, why live for yourself when you can chase something that is infinitely more glorious. Listen to what Philippians 1.25 says as we close. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. You have reason to glory in Christ Jesus because of I exist. Church, the reason for our existence is glory. The reason for any team is glory. But the reason for the bride of Christ is a glory that far surpasses anything any of us could muster on our own. A glory that transcends time and history and a glory that is worthy, that is worthy for us. The church exists for the multiplication of God's glory. The multiplication of God's glory. 
The word translated glory here means to boast in. Let me tell you, that Monday morning after beating the Cougars in Hazelgate, I still remember the team name. Look at there. I, I can tell you some of the kids that were on the team because I played ball with them all, all growing up, right? But the reason why we were boasting is because something awesome had happened, right? I mean, we had beaten this team. We had done something. Church, if there is any reason to boast for any individual in this room that has a relationship with Christ, you've got reason to boast in Christ. He, who, You were dead in your transgressions and sin, and he made you alive. you got something to boast about. You've got something to be proud of. He did something substantial for you, and it will spend our whole lives paying him back. Never coming close, but getting to invest in why? Because he's glorious. Listen to what Ephesians 3.21 says. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Lindsay Lane North gets the opportunity to participate with all of history, with every saint throughout the annals of history in saying and existing for the glory of God. Let he who boasts, boast in the Lord. Why? Because the world's watching. I remember as a kid, I remember going with my grandfather, and uh, he had this telescope, actually. He's passed away, and I went and picked this telescope up from his house this week. Uh, and I remember him, he had it positioned. There's, you got to balance it out. I mean, it's a, it's a job getting this thing ready to roll, Okay. And he, would, he got it ready to roll, and he invited me over one day, and he was showing me all the planets. Well, that's not a star right there. See, that's a planet. And then he'd get in the telescope, and you could kind of make out, yeah, it's different than all of them. He'd, then he'd, we'd look at the moon, and then we'd look at constellations. I mean, we spent hours on this machine. Man, those planets, <laughs> those stars are a long way away. Can I tell you that you're going to go into your workplaces, into your schools this week, and you're going to be around people that are just that far away from Jesus. Just that far away from God. Man, the idea of God looks so distant and so far away that there's no way that it can have an immediate impact in your life. You know what we do as the church? We get to be the telescope. We get to be the ones that magnify Jesus to an extent that though he may seem far to them, we bring Jesus close to others. You may be the only Jesus somebody sees. We get an opportunity to bring what is, what is distant, an enemy of God, far away from God. We get to bring them through, through looking at our life, through seeing how we do things, seeing how we prioritize our life, seeing what's important to us and how we talk and how we live our lives. We get to be the telescope that brings someone who's far away from Christ, brings them near. This is the goal for us. And some of you kids, if you got your packets today, you got some glasses, some cool little red glasses with the lenses, and you've got some secret messages on those, uh, on those sheets. I want you to look through those glasses. I want you to give me a way, boys and girls, that you can, uh, that you can bring Christ near to somebody. You can give God glory in your life. Anybody? Somebody want you to shout it out. How is it, sweetie? 
Love others. Very good. That's a way we bring others close to Jesus. Anyone else? Tell others about Jesus. A great way. Anyone else? Anyone else want to participate? Want to look? I know talking in front may not, may not be big for everybody. Anybody else want to do it? Give us another. Is there one more? What is it? Love others? Absolutely. And so, guys, we, we have ways. We all have tangible ways. It's not a secret of how we can bring Christ near to those that are far. This is the ministry of reconciliation. It's the task of the church. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Christ has called us who are far away to be brought near. And so you can't, you can't help anyone else until you yourself respond to Christ. And so maybe you're here either by live stream or here in person, and maybe you recognize for the first time that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Oh, how He loves you. And though He may feel far away from you, I promise if you will repent and you will turn from your sin, you'll find He's right where you are. As soon as you turn, He is there to receive you with open arms. It's not about changing yourself. It's not about fixing the problems in your own life before you come to Him. You can't do it on your own. Come to Christ and watch Him change you from the inside out. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we've got counselors that are in the back of the room that would love to talk to you about how you can know that you have a relationship with Jesus. How you can know that you're a child of God. You can be united in the family of Christ as we're talking about this week through a relationship with Jesus. So if you're in here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus in just a moment, I'm going to give you the opportunity to stand to your feet, to walk to the back of the room. We've got counselors that are looking, that are waiting for you to respond. Nobody else is looking. All right, this is a safe place. But we would ask you to respond in just a few moments. Maybe you're here and maybe you need to join Lindsay Lane. Maybe you need to be partnered with a church that's going to do, that's going to be busy magnifying Christ in this community and you want to be part of it. You can respond as well. The counselors would love to talk to you about that decision as well. Whatever decision you need to, be, need to make, maybe it's getting your baptism in order and identifying yourself in the body of Christ, but any decision, we pray that you would respond in this moment. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for what you're going to do. Give us courage, God, as we respond to you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. With every head bow and eye still closed, if that's you and you need to respond, would you just stand to your feet and just, and just walk to the back of the room? If you're a kid and you want, to, you want your parents to come with you, that's fine. I want a friend to come with you. Just, just tap them on the shoulder and take them with you. We, but if you need to respond to Jesus today, whatever that looks like, whatever decision you need to make, would you just respond right now? Would you respond as counselors wait? The other way to respond is through those connect cards that you received in your bulletins. On there, if you made it, make it, want to make a decision to, for Christ, or maybe you want to talk to a pastor, maybe this is all confusing, and you want to talk to a pastor about it, we would love, love to get back with you later this week about any decision that you need to make or anything that you need in your life. If you're listening online, you can text North Connect to 31996. Get us to your Connect card. Get you to our Connect card. Let us know that you made a decision. It'll come automatically to us, and we'll follow up with you. We're not going to embarrass you or anything like that. But don't miss this opportunity to respond.
Father God, we thank you for what you've done in our hearts and our lives. For bringing unity to our body through your precious blood. And God, let us live for the reason of bringing you glory in everything that we do. Father, be glorified as we continue our worship. And as we get an opportunity to give and invest in your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray.